1: Are you looking to purchase a new vehicle with that tax return this year? Hey, it sounds like you need to make a quick stop to Toys and Ford. From the moment you step into their showroom, you're more than just a customer. You're an honored guest. Toys and Ford's only aim is to serve your needs to the fullest, and the team at Toys and Ford will go the extra mile to provide you with compelling options for new and used vehicle shopping. Purchasing a vehicle, that can be a big decision, and Toys and Ford knows that. So make it easier with the help from Toys and Ford. Who doesn't love high V? Once you walk in the store, you're in for quite the shopping experience. So grab yourself a coffee and check out everything Hy-Vee has to offer. From their top-of-the-line produce section, A-plus bakery, a deli department that includes so many different cheeses you didn't even know existed, a superb meat department, and even shoes. Plus the best wine and spirits department in the area. And once you're done shopping or need to grab a bite to eat, they have many different options in their food court, including the popular Wahlburgers. Experience the Hy-Vee experience yourself today. What up, everybody? Welcome to this episode of the Man Cave Podcast, brought to you by High V and Toys and Ford. I'm Dan Casper, your host for every episode of the Man Cave Podcast. Coming up on this episode, we're going to talk a little Brewers. Uh, brewers getting swept by the Colorado Rockies. Brandon Berg's going to be joining me. Uh, we're going to talk some Brewers. We're going to talk some Bucks uh, as well, with the, with the Bucks firing their head coach, Mike Boonholzer. Uh, we got Dr. Crow for our Inside the Training Room uh, segment as well, so we'll catch up with, uh, with Dr. Crow, Chippewa Valley Orthopedics and Sports Medicine. But uh, we're going to lead off the podcast talking about the Milwaukee Bucks firing their head coach, Mike Boonholzer. Going to bring Brandon in here uh, as well, Mr. Brandon Berg, sports editor extraordinaire from the, from the Chippewa Herald. Was it the right move, you think? What what's your analysis on the whole thing? I
0: was a little surprised, but I do think it's the right move. hmm Um, I just think that when you look at the the big picture over, you know, Budenholzer's tenure, yes, there's always going to be the twenty twenty one title. Very mm-hmm. grateful that he was able to bring that to, you know, Milwaukee and, and to Wisconsin. But even going back to when he coached in Atlanta, there were just too many playoff meltdowns where you just kind of wonder what was going on. Mm -hmm. You know, this year wasn't the first year. You know, remember that if he doesn't win that title in 2021, he might get fired because the year before after the box has a highly seeded team lost in the bubble to the heat, you know, that was, you know, there was a few of those already. So, you know, and that, you know, 2021 kind of bought him some more time, but it seems like what we saw this year was a bit more of the rule as mm-hmm. opposed to 2021 so i just think that you know some change need to be made either you needed to do change coaching or you need to make some significant changes to the roster which we'll see what happens with the roster because there's some they, they got some tough decisions they got they some tough be, decisions yeah. to make and money is not exactly going to be plentiful for them to spend so mm-hmm. but yeah i i think it was the right call um yeah, it's a tough business. I mean, it's seen that you know the the coaches that won titles in twenty nineteen, twenty twenty, 2020, and twenty twenty one are now all out um, of jobs.
1: And the one that was in the East that represented the Eastern Conference in the finals is
0: out of a job. Yes. <laughs> yeah, so, or not with
1: the Celtics, I should
0: say. Yeah, so, but so it's that's you know, for off the court stuff. Yeah, but. it's so that I mean it's tough, but it was I think a move that the team needed to make.
1: Mm-hmm. So I mean it's different. Like I've been kind of saying, it's different in the NFL where we know so many offensive coordinators and defensive coordinators. We know the assistants. NBA is different. Baseball's different. NHL, I mean, there's so many retreads it feels like in the NHL. It seems like
0: there's like the same 34 coaches and they just hop from team to team.
1: Right, exactly. So, I mean, it seems like the majority of Bucks fans want a guy who was just fired too, Nick Nurse from Toronto. Um... We had we had somebody text in saying that uh, you know I would love to hear why people want Nick Nurse so much when you kind of look at the you know his he went to the postseason three out of five um, you know they did he did win a championship and I know the the glass half empty approach or maybe the the Debbie Downer approach, whatever is like well Kawhi Leonard but, you know is the reason we could say that with the Bucks and Giannis and Buno's are at the same time too but is there a name out there that has you know, is are you on the Nick Nurse type of bandwagon? If that's the right way to to, to say it, I mean, it is hard to like say because it, it's not like, hey, go get Phil Jackson. You know, like in the '90s or the early 2000s, it was like, hey, Lakers, go get Phil Jackson. You know, bring him back. Or you know, it, you're not getting Eric Spolstra to jump right. Miami to, to Milwaukee. Steve Kerr's not coming from Golden State to, to Milwaukee. Are you on that Nick Nurse? Train, or is there another name or names that that you, that's kind of jumping? I out think to you? you kind
0: of explained it well because I'm gonna. I'll be the first to admit that when it comes to like kind of knowing assistant coaches and stuff like that, in the NBA, I really don't. Mm-hmm. So it's not like the NFL where you can say, "Ooh, this offense," you know, like right. You know, when the Vi- when the Vikings were looking for their coach and Kevin O'Connell was out there, I'm like, "Oh, I know." I mean, I, I know of him. Mm-hmm. You know, here I really don't too much. Um, you know, the Nick Nurse thing. I do think that caller brings up an interesting point because you know, I, I think in, in some cases the reason Nick Nurse is out there you know, is kind of being talked about out there is because it's somebody people know. Right. Yeah. And I think a lot of people might be in a similar boat to us where maybe they don't know all these in, you know, assistant coaches inside and out. You can say, oh, no, we, why don't we go with, you know, this assistant from this team because of X, Y, and Z. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, it's a good point that, you know, yes, won the title in 2019. I'm not even going to you know say, well, it's because of Quiet Leonard, but, you know, the the few years after that, you know, haven't been great. And, mm-hmm. you know, Obviously, the the Raptors are in a bit of a different spot right now, in, in a few years after they won the title, than the Bucks were. Right. You know they've, you know they've kind of you know tore it down here. Mm-hmm. So, um, I, I guess that would be okay, but you know I don't know. I'm I'm kind of curious about the you know kind of the unknown. Which and for how me, much does
1: the, the Haslam's part play in it? Does that make you more nervous? I don't know.
0: Like? like this is yeah. The, I I did think about that after the game. I'm like, well, this is kind of the first. Moment of okay, well, what's what's this going to be like, right? You know, and I don't know the interest level, but I think a name that did that came up back when Bunholzer got fired was Becky Hammond, yeah. That I think could be really interesting, mm hmm. Because you know, I think just won in, a
1: title with the Ve- Las Vegas Aces, yes, WNBA, the WNBA yep. so
0: and but has extensive coaching under uh Greg Popovich in San, San Antonio. Mm-hmm.
1: And the Bucks, I mean, not only interviewed her for the coaching job before Boonholzer, the year prior, she was interviewed for the GM job in Milwaukee. Yeah. So, so somebody there really holds yeah, there, her in high yeah, esteem.
0: Yeah, there's some people there that hold her in very high esteem, and you look mm-hmm. at her resume and you can see why. So right. she's one I would be interested
1: in. Mm-hmm. And that's another, and I know a couple people said some, you know, mentioned her because of the Popovich tree. Remember, Boonholzer was a longtime assistant. For, her, yeah. You so, go.
0: you know, and I don't know if that, that would necessarily be kind of going back to the same well, mm-hmm. but. You know, that is someone that, you know, I think would be interesting. But yeah, outside of that, I'm not really sure.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's like, cause real, and, and I'm, I they, know, if, I would love Eric Spolstro.
0: Yeah, it's not going to not happen. Gonna happen. It's not going to happen. Yeah, any of the, you know, like you said, Steve Kerr, whoever, it's just, it's not going to happen.
1: Right. Those, those.
0: They're happy where they are.
1: Mm hmm. Yeah, exactly. So, like, Doc River, I mean, come on. No, I mean,
0: I no, no know, I mean, it's.
1: Doc Rivers, I mean, is there much difference?
0: No. No, because Doc, <laughs> you know. they kind of got the. They've kind of got similar. I mean, the difference is Budenholzer's won a title, although Doc won it with
1: Boston. That's one right. Year, my bad. My know. bad. Yeah. So that was a long time ago,
0: <laughs> but still, yeah. they're Then, yeah. There's. There's similar there. So, and you know, the Bucks have had some assistants. You know, not just in recent years, but they year should that are you know out there. Charles I mean, Lee. Charles Lee's out there, obviously. Darvin Ham's on the coach of the Lakers. Like, there's, you know, that tree for them has kind of branched pretty well so far, but you know. I guess if you're someone like Charles Lee, now suddenly are you like, "Well, hold on a second. Mm-hmm. You know, if the Bucks are interested, you know,
1: how much and this might be a dumb question, but how much should Giannis be involved in this decision?
0: I think you need to make sure you get his opinion. It's not going to mm-hmm. be you know, you don't you know, whatever ma decision you make, you're not going to be like, "Well, this is up to you." Mm-hmm. Because one, you know, I don't think you put a player that's number 2. I don't think Giannis wants to be in that spot. Right. You know, I think he wants to be a voice in the room, you know, and say, Hey, here here's who we're looking to bring in, what do you think? Kind mm-hmm. of a thing. But not a okay, Giannis, we've got coach A and Coach B, which one do you want?
1: Right. Yeah, I I agree. And that's kind of what they did. Remember when Bud got first hired, it was Giannis and Middleton and him were out to breakfast, that whole storyline, just kinda of like to get to know each other. But yeah, I mean when you got a guy like like Giannis and that's and, 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 you know, the NBA, I, I feel like, too, when you've got your superstar, you kind of have to cater to them a little, little bit, bit yeah. more.
0: Because it's, I mean, a, a superstar, a top two or three player in the NBA mm-hmm. is so much more impactful than any other sport.
1: And I feel like, too, like where I would trust Giannis as opposed to, I don't want to say, like a Kyrie Irving or something like that to get an opinion or, you know, to involve him in the process. And kind of like what you said, too. Maybe Giannis doesn't want to be that yeah. main yeah, he'll guy. He'll give in his opinion, but yeah, yeah. You,
0: you don't want him to be like, like I said, you don't want him to be the deciding factor, right? Like if he says, "Oh no, I like you know, I like both of these candidates," mm-hmm. then okay, then you you make your decision, and you know that your you know your superstar is on board,
1: right? Yep. You know? And I mean, because wasn't it uh, talked about too? Like he was a little bit down after the Jason Kid fight. Like he was close. to Yeah, because he was. Yeah. yeah, he
0: was close to. Yeah, he was close to Kid, and mm-hmm. that's why some people were worried at the time. Like, oh, why are they firing Jason Kidd Because you know. You know, that's going to send him that. out of here, you well, know. Obviously that didn't happen. I, I, right. I think that above all else, Giannis wants to win. He mm-hmm. you know, wants to continue to be successful. And, look, you even, you know, at the end of the series, you know, Giannis making the comment about, you know, he wanted to guard Jimmy Butler more. But he says, you know, he he, he deferred to the coach. I like, can't. Yeah, that's the coach's decision.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You know, but he said he would have liked to have, you know, tried his hand at Jimmy Butler because nothing right. else they were trying was working.
1: Right. Is there anybody – I was trying to think of this earlier, like even on the college level. Like I don't that, know.
0: Like, I'm not sure if there's any – Like
1: The only person I could think of, and I don't even think he would make this move at this point, was Jawan Howard because he was a longtime NBA assistant. Yeah. And how would that storyline would be if he became the – with the whole Wisconsin connection there. I don't think he would do that. I don't think so. Um, I was trying to think of like a legit sort of connection there. Jay Wright ain't coming out of retirement to, to no. coach the Bucs or – or anything like that either. So I just you know what Indiana's coach Mike Woodson was a long time NBA coach that ain't gonna happen. I no, mean,
0: I think you're gonna see them stay in the you know the NBA pool as mm-hmm. you know maybe an assistant or like I said if you're you know you're dipping out for you know someone like Becky, Becky Hammond, Hammond, but someone that does have significant NBA ties.
1: Right. Yeah, a ton of experience at the NBA level. So it's gonna be a weird offseason, or like maybe not weird, but an interesting offseason for for the Bucks because. You got that player option for Middleton. Brooke is a free agent after coming off this big year. I threw out the question on Tuesday, Brandon, if he had to pick between one of the two, which one are you bringing back? Brooke's older, but maybe healthier.
0: Yeah, this is tough because I think, and maybe part of this will change with coaching, but I think the thing in recent years when the Bucks have gotten burned, the issue for them is... Maybe there was too much rim protection mm-hmm. because you look at the teams that kind of you know quote unquote had their number the heat and the Celtics you know, those teams aren't overly big you know mm-hmm. they've got some you know, big guys, but you know the Bucks certainly had the size advantage, but they were athletic and they were I mean they were able to get by them and we saw how much the Heat he dusted the Bucks on defense in that series, mm-hmm. and wasn't and look Jimmy Butler obviously was awesome, but other guys were making plays. Like you look you look at you know Bam's
1: them, an All Star, but he's not a big big like Brook no, Lopez. No, but you, you watch
0: them play you know move the ball on offense versus the Bucks, and it looked like it was two different uh, you know games being played.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And you know I just think that I don't know like because I I really like you know Brook Lopez, but I don't know like it's a tie. It's a tough decision. I, yeah. I don't envy. I'm just glad
1: I'm not making it. Exactly, <laughs> yeah, exactly. You
0: know, I don't envy whoever you know has to make it when that time comes. But mm-hmm. because yeah, I think at some point you want to try to get you know, not that they're not athletic, but you know more like threes and fours. Mm-hmm. And, Does you know, that, do you mean try, that do you try on us a little more at the five?
1: Do you put Bobby Portis in a starting line? You put sort of yeah.
0: You, you go like you know four or five of those two and try to get some athleticism coming off the bench. Mm-hmm. You know and how does this all work out? I mean, remember, you know, at the trade deadline, we were talking about, you know, the Jay Crowder trade, and by the end of the playoffs, Jay Crowder's, you know, had commented, he was kind of wondering, like, what his role on the team was, which was fair, because he didn't really play. Right. Like, it was just...
1: Somebody had also mentioned, too, is like, is there something more going on? Maybe it was the Jay Crowder thing, you know, because I, I... And again, I don't know any inside info, but I mean, you know... John Horst sent over was it three second round picks. Mm-hmm. I mean, we were we were waiting for that trade to happen since the beginning of the season. Yeah, that was
0: one that everyone was kind of pointing to, like, oh, this is the move that should yeah. happen.
1: So the fact that he barely played in the postseason and, and didn't really contribute when he was out there, yeah. was there like um, some animosity maybe between GM and, and head coach because like why aren't you playing my guy that that I acquired? Could that be part of it? Maybe. But I think ultimately, I mean, the the final nail in the coffin had to be probably the first round exit. Otherwise, like yes. you're still playing right now.
0: Yeah, and not only the first round exit, but like a bad first round exit. You know, outside of the one game where they set a you know a record for you know threes, like they were out. They were just beat. Like you know, it wasn't like oh, this team got lucky a time or two. No, Miami was the better team in that series and wasn't particularly close.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. It's going to be. This is a big off season for for mm-hmm. uh, for John Horst. It is for Bucks general manager John Horst. Not only for the coach, and I wonder how much. I think the other part of this too is like how much say is he going to have in the head coach, because you've got I don't know who the governor is for for the Bucks this year. If it's Haslam or or Edens, yeah. I, I'm not sure who, who it know. is right now.
0: But hopefully he has a fair amount because I mean if you're the GM you should.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would I would hope so. How much uh, does Aaron Rodgers have a say since he's got uh, a little bit of share? I know. He's a big there. Knicks fan. I know. That's... <laughs> he's been to more Knicks games, I think, in the last couple days and probably Bucks games in the last, what, two years, it seems like. So maybe he can buy the buy it from Dolan over there at some point. I don't know.
0: That would be an improvement.
1: It probably oh, would Even though,
0: the, I mean, hey, the Knicks are they're still alive. They're, mm-hmm. They've kind of pulled themselves off the mat after a long period of nothing. Yeah. Um, and then, you know— you look at it like I
1: know people. Some people are celebrating. I don't like celebrating when somebody loses same, a job, same. sort of thing. And I don't care how much money they make. Yeah, or, but, or it whatever. Was, but it was.
0: But it. I feel like it was a move that had to be made. I will right. say that. Yep.
1: I know. I, I would agree with that. Um, and it's just you look at the timing of everything too. With this playoff series, the more that's kind of coming out. Giannis was hurt. We found we found out Mike Boonholzer's brother died in a car accident during the series. You got to imagine that probably affected him a probably. little bit on a personal level, you know. Okay, not? Right, exactly. And then people kind of saying that's an excuse and all. Stop it! No, just stop it. But you know, just the timing of everything—it just it it couldn't have come at a worse time. You know, Giannis getting hurt and and all that. Yeah, and then, it was just, and then you go up against
0: a team that's just red hot. That you know they, that it clicks for with a with a star that was able to take you know able to take over games, mm-hmm. which Jimmy Butler did repeatedly.
1: And it's like. The Heat weren't a typical eight seed. Like, no. like I would argue I mean, last year they were the one seed and then right. you kinda of look at it, well, the play and Well even before when you
0: when you asked me before and you're like, Well, you know, who you know, who would you want to play? And I said, I don't want to play the Heat. Yeah. They're you know, that's a team that just felt like was a bit of a sleeping giant because they had talent. They just you know, they were injured and they just weren't quite click quite clicking. Mm-hmm. Yep. But they are now.
1: Yep, definitely. So we'll see. we'll, we'll see how this whole process, but I mean you've got other teams too that are gonna be looking for a head coach, so they'll have something to come compete, compete against. with, but
0: I would imagine the Bucks have gotta be the most attractive job out there.
1: Yeah. Uh you'd think but also whoever's coming in there, you're gonna have that expectation. You, yeah. you better win. Right. No rebuild. It's win now. Right. You come in, <laughs> yeah. you're ready to go. You you just you've got Giannis and then you've got to build you've got to win right now. So but it's kinda of weird. Like I feel like the is almost turning into the NHL a little bit here with these quick firings and maybe some retreads kinda of going around here a little bit. But yeah, you know, I'm trying to think like in the nineties, like we always talk about nineties hoops, was it always kinda of like that? But maybe.
0: 'Cause because you know, I mean how many teams did Lenny Wilkins coach for?
1: I remember him as Atlanta. <laughs> I
0: do too, but he uh, was, you look nope. at his career, he was everywhere. Yep. Nope. You know, there and there there was a fair amount of retreads in the nineties.
1: Yeah, you, know, you got like George Carl. He he bobbed a few Milwaukee. different, yeah, he different Heath, Mike Dunleavy. Yeah. The one coach I don't want the Bucks to get, and he's already been listed out there since you just mentioned was Mike D'Antoni. I don't want that. No. I don't want that. I mean no. you talk about a guy who I think is similar, great regular season success. post right. Postseason, nothing. All right. I I would agree. I would agree. Uh I'm good with no Mike D'Antoni. Yeah.
0: Just
1: no thank you. No offense. Yeah, no I'm not sure
0: you. if there's any you know, quote unquote retread out there that you know would excite me more than maybe giving you know someone their first and I, I their first chance. I see why you know you may be a little bit weary about giving someone their first you know chances as a head coach because you don't know
1: Mark Jackson. There's got to be a reason why he hasn't been hired That's again, it right? Yeah, he's yeah. Because I, I think I've heard like you know just kind of how his personality is maybe with with players and that, but. Mm-hmm. It's been a nine years now. so it's Yeah, like, and
0: that's a long time to be out. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if that wouldn't, I don't know. A Van Gundy?
1: No Steve Nash, please. I don't no. want that one either. Pat yeah. Riley. yeah, he's He's got it good right now yes, in Miami. he's got very good. He's got it really good. I was trying to think of some. Who's that next, like, just retired player that's going to be, wants to be a coach, you know, like the kid in the Nash route? That the Bucks try to do with kid too. You know,
0: uh, you know who will be a fun fit for Giannis, Tim Duncan.
1: Ha! <laughs> yeah, did he is he an assistant? I don't think so. Or he was on the bench at one point. Might have been. Is is he? Maybe he's not anymore. I have no. I, think, I
0: have no idea. I just was trying to think of recently retired star players. And Tim Duncan was. I saw person.
1: somebody throw out Sam Cassell. Mm, that would just make. I did not. Yeah, he was a Spurs assistant. Duncan was nineteen to twenty. Oh, okay. So, uh. Hey, Kareem wanted the job a while back. he teach Giannis the skyhook. He could. How was Kareem's free throw percentage back in the day? i have to look that one up. I don't know off the top of my head. So. It's time for a little Inside the Training Room with Dr. Austin Crow. How are you doing, bud? Good to hear from you. Fantastic. Hey, I want to talk a little uh, Brewers uh, here with you. Now, I know we've talked about Brandon Woodruff and his injury uh, a couple times now, but uh, it was an article out on Brewers.com yesterday or a couple days ago where he was actually asking some other pitchers for some advice, and uh, he's got that subscapular strain. And you know the the thing that he kept getting back from from advice from other pitchers, he said was just be patient, and and he's probably at best not going to be ready for at least another month or so. So I guess my question, Austin, to you is, you know, this is a strain. Obviously, it's a uh, subscapular strain. But is it the fact that he's a pitcher is why it's taking, like, many, many months, a few months here for him to to get ready? Because, you know, maybe in another role, if he was just, a you know, maybe a position player or something like that, he'd be back already. Is it just based purely on the fact that he's a pitcher is why this strain is taking – a long time for it for it to heal.
2: Yeah, certainly, I'd say that's playing a huge role. Um, so, j- just to touch base real quick, what the injury is. So, the the subscapularis is actually one of the rotator cuff tendons. Okay. Uh, so the subscap is you know we we use the term rotator cuff as if it's one thing. It's not. It's actually four separate muscles, and as they attach the bone, we call them tendons. So the subscapularis is the one on the front of the shoulder. So that aids in basically internal rotation and adduction of the arm. So as you can imagine. Bringing the arm in and across—that's a—that's basically the, almost the definition of a pitching um, motion. So it plays a huge role in throwing. So absolutely, someone who throws hard, which I think pitchers fall in that category, yeah. um, certainly going to be putting a lot more stress across it than, than some of the other players in the field. I, I will say this: I mean, a, a standard frame like this generally isn't going to last—or strange I should say—it doesn't last that long um so I mean you gotta wonder if he's re-aggravated it or if there's some other thing playing a role as well where maybe there is a little bit of tendon involvement as opposed um, to you know just uh, you know the standard injury to kind of the muscle or muscle uh, tendon unit which is kind of the standard strain that you see so uh, you know it, it really is kind of a long duration but that, that being said I mean you know you also don't want to go back where he's not 100% where you re it, and all of a sudden you're dealing with this all season long so just to kind of get over it but yeah, it's it's uh, taking its
1: time, that's for sure. Uh sticking with the the Brewers and one of their youngsters outfielder Garrett Mitchell underwent uh, uh sh- shoulder surgery to repair uh, a labrum in his left shoulder. Now to to kind of refresh it. It happened in a in a game where he slid into third base and that's where they're they're saying he injured it, but he actually went out and played the field and and you know, he he threw a ball and tried to throw somebody out and that's when he was pulled. Do you think there's a possibility that that made that he made it worse by by throwing that ball. I mean, is it is it or do you think it's it's possible that he completely you know the only way he I guess what I'm asking is did he only injure it sliding in there and maybe didn't realize he injured it until he made that throw or is it a good possibility he could have made it worse by making that throw from the outfield?
2: I, unlikely, the throw um, made a huge difference. Yes, I mean you know from what what it sounds like he had a you know a subluxation or you know, dislocation event. I mean, it, it's a bit semantics between the two um, where either the joint slides out partially or all the way. Either way, when the ball starts to come out, it can damage the labrum, which is what happened, obviously, because you end up having a labral repair. Um, and so in all likelihood, what your, your point of him realizing it when he tried to throw is probably more a reality as opposed to him significantly worsening it. So, you know, a lot of times people have like an event where they, you know, they're like, ooh, I felt something, but maybe it's not as bad as I thought. And then all of a sudden, they do something else that really kind of shines a light on how bad you actually injured it. So it's not uncommon to have have athletes do that, where they ding themselves up, try fight through it for a play or two, or maybe even a little bit longer, and then also have another event where it's like, okay, this is serious. I I, I did something to myself, and then and then all of a sudden, uh, the story changes.
1: There was a there was a story on ESPN. Uh, it was by Jeff Passon the other day, and it was they were talking about the increase in injuries to to pitchers and there's some talk out there is is the pitch clock, you know, a big reason why because you know they're getting rushed to to try to make these pitches and and all that and there's trying to be some correlation between the two. What would your thoughts be on, you know, the the increase in injuries to to pitchers? Could it be because they're getting rushed or is it mostly where and I'm not—I'm not a doctor, obviously. But is it mostly because pitchers are throwing harder these days, and now you got—you know—these pitchers who are—you know—you've got the specialist pitchers, more relief pitchers. You know, the starters aren't going longer because they're throwing harder, more more times than not. Do, do you think there possibly could be a correlation because of that pitch clock? You know, it. I, involving I, I, it's, yeah, it's possible. I—I—I
2: I, I don't think it makes a ton of sense. I mean. I mean, if you're looking at, like, a fatigue-type injury, you know, possibly, or if there's somehow, like, maybe, like, a tendonitis where just they're somehow doing, doing, you know, more throws, that's not the case. It's not like you're speeding them up so they throw more. I mean, their pitch counts are going to be roughly the same. So I don't think, like, a pitcher throws lefty arm and it somehow recovers and then they can throw again. I mean, it's not like a stamina meter on a video game right you know i mean it's, that's not the way the game works so i i don't think there's going to be a correlation there it could be wrong i mean it, it may be somehow giving them a couple seconds extra but i mean we're not talking like a minute between each pitch although sometimes it's, <laughs> it used to seem like it was but um you know it, it it isn't that so i doubt there's a correlation there i think your point is probably more valid that just what athletes are doing now in especially in pitching what they're able to do for i mean You know, I feel like when we were growing up, people were throwing 90s and and mid-90s, and that was like an amazing fastball. I mean, there's so many guys hitting three digits. It's just unbelievable what people are doing to their bodies. And guess what? The human body hasn't changed over the last 20 years. What's happening is that we're just pushing it to the boundaries. And so when you do that and you push to that edge unfortunately sometimes the body pushes back and you get injuries to the shoulder and elbow and that's just what i think what we're seeing is much more likely the scenario
1: he's dr crow inside the trading room chippewa valley orthopedics and sports medicine uh the draft was this past weekend and and i gotta ask you about this running back that the titans selected uh Tajay spears uh he doesn't have an acl in, in one of his knees and uh has arthritis already so my, and I was reading a little bit here at the NFL Combine, Test revealed a full thickness cartilage loss and no ACL in his knee. Two-part here, first off, what does it mean by full thickness cartilage loss? And when they say he doesn't have an ACL, is it possible that he's born without an ACL, or was that, like, surgically removed?
2: Um when they and obviously this is speculation generally when we say no acl that means he had a tear and and it also implies that it's chronic so once you tear your acl they're probably referring to the fact that he doesn't have a functional acl but a chronic tear over time that what acl fibers were there will resorb. but truthfully once it's torn it doesn't matter if there's something there or not you can there are people who are born congenitally without acl it's pretty rare there's a couple conditions that are with it but generally there's other things that go along with it so i doubt he was born without an acl so i suspect that he had an injury at some point and that probably correlates with the other question about the cartilage loss so when we discuss articular cartilage what we're talking about is like the white shiny stuff on the ends of the bone and so your knee has has three separate compartments the medial or inner lateral or outer and then the, we call it patellofemoral, or the kneecap joint so there's three separate areas and we kind of refer to them separately when we're discussing a knee um, and I don't know if they mentioned which compartment it was in, but that area, he has one side of the bone. So it's either the femur, the tibia, the kneecap, whichever area we're talking about, that has lost an entire section of that cartilage. Um, and that's basically the beginning of arthritis. And so I can tell you, uh, the odds of that player having a significant career is just incredibly low because that knee is going to become symptomatic. Um, Now, can some people function without an ACL and play without an ACL? It's possible. I mean, one of the famous examples is Heinz Ward played um, a majority, if not all of his NFL career without an ACL in his knee. Some people just are able to tolerate that, which is an absolute anomaly. So a vast, vast majority of people without an ACL, they try run and cut and pivot. Their knee shifts in an unstable way and causes further damage, like meniscus or cartilage in this case. So I suspect that he had an injury, which either directly or subsequently caused the full thickness cartilage loss so um that, that i mean all hallmarks of a knee that's going to have a rough go if you try to continue to compete And frankly even at some point daily life becomes hard so he's going to be looking at some kind of restoration procedure in, in the relatively near future hopefully he's able to have somewhat of a career and, and i certainly hope he's able to exceed expectations but that's certainly not a great prognosis
1: especially playing the the running back position too uh i gotta imagine yeah. that's that's yeah.
2: man You're-
1: yep uh, so my, this might be a dumb question austin but you know what's with, with the with the cartilage thing is there a a procedure or has there been taught has there been tests on this like you know can 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 you guys create something that's like cartilage to to put that cushion in there between bows is, is that possible is there any type of procedure like that
2: uh i mean that's like the holy grail of orthopedics man there's <laughs> quite literally di- Billions with a B spent on that. I mean, someday we're going to come up with good stuff. So, I mean, there's all sorts of procedures. In fact, I do them every week that we're trying to preserve or recreate. Um, So, I mean, the most basic thing that we do for those kind of problems is called a chondroplasty, where we basically clean things up. So, people talk about a knee cleanup. Well, we'll actually remove some unstable flaps, things like that. And that can help some of the sharp catching pain. But at the end of the day, you're not putting something back. So, that's like the most basic. From there, we go to a procedure called microfracture, which you've heard of before, Mm -hmm. and athletes get that sometimes. That's where we go to an area that has full thickness, cartilage loss, and we poke little holes in the bone. And the idea is that that bone bleeds, and you have a clot that develops. And so inside that clot are stem cells. And so when the athlete, or maybe a normal person, is moving the leg, the friction will rub against those stem cells, and the stem cells say, hey, we should become cartilage-like tissue. Unfortunately, it's not true cartilage, so we call it's basically a fibrocartilage or a cartilage-like tissue. So it's better than nothing, but it's not as good as regular cartilage. From there, we're getting into more advanced techniques, and so there's a couple different things that you can graft in cartilage. So we can take um, cadaver cartilage and glue it in. You can get some growth from that, and that works okay. But again, it's not exactly like normal cartilage. One of the better techniques and one that we're doing more and more often is where we're actually, you know, you're a golfer, so Mm -hmm. you know when you're looking at a green and they move the hole around, they take a core of dirt and grass to move the hole, right? Mm -hmm. We can do that with the knee where we take a core of bone and cartilage and we plug it in. So those are called osteoarticular or osteochondral grafts. Now, you can either do it from your own knee or take it from a cadaver. You're, of course, very limited with your own knee because you can only take so much from your own knee because if you start taking big holes, you're leaving big holes. So there's some certain spots we can steal so you're kind of robbing Peter to pay Paul. More often, we'll take it from a cadaver. Um, But, uh, you know, you can't just use any cadaver, so you have to get matched. So these people will basically, and I have multiple patients on this list right now, so we get approval, we get an MRI, we get a match for their knee, and then once we have a graft, we'll call the patient and say, hey, we have a graft, are you ready to go? So it's not quite like a kidney transplant where you're like, have a pager and you have to come in immediately, but usually we'll have only a couple-week window for them to come in and do that. So those are all efforts to to restore native cartilage, and and some of those newer techniques are working well. But I hope someday we have a simple little shot or a, a you know a, a gel we stick in there. But it hasn't happened yet. So and now people are getting these big surgeries and effort to to kind of restore things. But it's a it's a work in progress for sure.
1: Interesting, interesting. So good stuff as always, Austin. Appreciate it, and uh, love chatting with you every Friday, buddy. You enjoy the weekend, and uh, we'll catch up with you again soon, sir.
2: Sounds good. Take care.
1: Alright, uh Brewers, Brandon. What the heck happened yesterday? <laughs> Holy I was thinking, okay, four nothing that you know, Wayne Miley's kinda of cruising here a little bit. I wanted to ask you the balk situation yesterday. That that's a big topic of debate I mm-hmm. should say. Uh on on the uh on the Twitters and, and social media and such. Do you think that was a balk? I didn't see much. I didn't see it either. I,
0: yeah, I didn't see I didn't see much, but you know.
1: What can you do? I guess at yeah. this point.
0: And yeah, I mean, it was. Uh, I think you just tra- I just chalk up that whole series to one of those. It's one of those times, and it happens in baseball where you know if it can go wrong, it does. Mm-hmm. You know, then it seems like over the years they've had some of those in Colorado. But you know, one game you can score a bunch of runs, but you can't give. You know, but you can't pitch. And then the next game, you you do. You are able to pitch, but you don't score any runs. And then one game you get a lead, and well, mm-hmm. it kind of gets a little wonky, and it gets away. Yeah. Um
1: was, it was like even before that game yesterday it was kind of I don't know maybe I'm overreacting but I'm like you're playing in Colorado and they couldn't put up runs
0: yeah that's a little that's a little unnerving it's one thing if you're losing in Colorado like ten to nine yeah. Then you just kind of assume okay that's just how it is there right but they weren't able to do anything in the first two games then finally yelly and
1: to yeah you know, and they got
0: and, some early homers and they i mean they you know they scored some runs but then mm-hmm. well they were into they're into some late game issues.
1: Luckily the rest of the NL Central has also been stinking. So Right, right. No ground has been made or lost, essentially. Yeah. I so. I don't
0: like to to you know to play the the card of well, at least, you know, blank, but well I mean the yeah. fact that St. Louis is ten twenty two kinda helps mm-hmm. a little bit. And the Pirates had to play the Rays, so that didn't right. uh, help them
1: out either there too, so Still, kind of weird to say that. Hey, we had the May World Series with the Pirates and the Rays. Yes, we
0: did. <laughs> with those yes, two we did. Added, so, uh, why can't this Bruce team hit left-handed pitching? Brandon, it's a good question. I don't think it's. I mean, it's it's certainly not something limited to this year's team. Mm-hmm. You know, I was thinking a little bit about this, and like, I think to me, a big domino in this is the lack of production. From first base against lefties, that's not specifically Rowdy Tellez, but just not having that secondary option there too, Mm -hmm. because you know that's something they've been looking for. I want to say since like the Jesus Aguilar All-Star game of 2018, because 2019 he struggled, was dealt at the deadline. Eric Thames ended up getting at bats against lefties, which he you know held his own, but that's you Mm -hmm. know probably not what they're looking for. And then the the last three years, like they just haven't gotten much against lefties. Out of first base, remember twenty twenty? It was uh, Justin Smoke. Yeah. That experience did not work. Twenty twenty one, they acquired Riley Telez during the year, but still they didn't really have that.
1: That yeah, was that the Vogelbach year too. Yeah, or they like bit, they and...
0: they just didn't have that you know that right handed bat that could just mm-hmm. you know mash lefties. And then you know last year they kind of miscast Keston here in that role when Keston Hero was a much better hitter against righties than lefties. And mm-hmm. that's kind of what they're doing with Luke Voigt, Yeah, where those are guys that. Even though the right-handed pitching, they had reverse splits where they hit righties better than lefties, but they're you know they're still trying to put them out there to do, it, and they you know they just don't do it. Like they're, the numbers over their career say they don't.
1: I'm sure you read the article from Adam McCulvey on Bruce, where they talked a little bit about this, and, and a big theme on there was you just because you just mentioned it, the reverse splits are weird. It is because no, normally
0: for most players, if you're a, if you're a left-handed batter, you hit righties better. If you're a mm-hmm. right-handed batter, you hit lefties better. Mm-hmm. But that's that hasn't been the case with some of those guys they have and. I think that's something you have to address at some point because, mm-hmm. you know, bringing in William Contreras was a good move because he hits lefties, mm-hmm. you know, but you need more than that. And I know part of it was they think that, you know, getting Tyrone Taylor back is going to help, and maybe it will, but you need more because it's it's bad. Mm-hmm. Like, and it's not like there's anyone in the minors, I don't think, that you can go to and grab and give them that shot. Right. Because I think you need to go outside the organization and just try to find somebody. And it's not getting look, it doesn't have to be a gigantic move, but just, you know, kind of scouring you know, kind of scouring the landscape looking for a corner infielder that just hits lefties. And mm-hmm. like, you know, Mike, you know, Mike Brasso is that kind of guy. He struggled a little bit against lefties this year, but his numbers over the his career are much better against lefties. You know, someone of that ilk that can play first base. It doesn't have to be a superstar, just somebody that you can put out there that can play first base against lefties. And you know what? You know, at some point it might be Mike Brasso just because, you know, He's kind of a bit adventurous when he's playing defense, you know, at maybe third, mm-hmm. you know, but, you know, especially once Luis Arias gets back, right. you know, that you know that might bump him around. So maybe that's a guy that when that happens, you give him more of a shot at first base. But, you know, so they need to do something mm-hmm. because it's been an issue for a while.
1: Right. And I know Yelich had a theory when he was asked about it, and I don't know if you if you saw this, but he kind of mentioned, you know, it's like, platooning has become a bigger thing in, in baseball right now and our pitchers you know just kind of you know more aware of that more game planned up for for that so they've got more of a scouting rapport to it they they're better prepared to go up against those lineups with, with the platooning could be maybe yeah could be. but
0: but yeah if that's but yeah like if that that is you know the way they're going with certain
1: spots like because that was a whole Moneyball thing, though, too, isn't it? Where it's like, it doesn't matter. that It didn't really lefty versus righty sort yeah, of thing. It, it yeah, wasn't.
0: like it's, you know, it, yeah. The the matchup doesn't matter as much if, you know, kind of the numbers say the matchup doesn't matter.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: so I, I I don't know if that does that factor into the, I mean, at what point do you just like. I mean, if you're, like, if you're a good hitter, you're like, and that's the thing. Because you're, you're not
1: going to sit Mike Trout against the lefty, righty, righty no, sort of thing. No, you and know. that's
0: it. Like, if you're a good, like, you know, you know Christian Yelich in 2018 and 2019 wasn't, you know. To getting a day off against the lefty, right? You know what I mean? Or yep. you know Ryan Braun at the peak of his powers wasn't getting a day off against you know like a righty. Like they weren't playing right. matchups there. Like right. when you're at, when you're at a certain level, you know you're not playing matchups with that player. But the the issue is the Brewers don't really have anybody like that. I guess maybe Willie Adamas, but he's really been scuffling. Like yeah. You know, there's you know, there's nobody that you look at and say, well, that guy's just out there every day, no matter what. Even going back to Prince Fielder, like you know, Prince Fielder, you look at his numbers; he was much better against righties and lefties, but it's Prince Fielder. Like, mm-hmm. you still were going to put him out there against left-handed pitching, even tough lefties, right? Yeah. And he and if you didn't put him out there every day, he'd probably get mad at you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, that guy played like all the time. Yes, he did. I mean, he, he that was a big time. point of pride for him. Like, he never wanted to take a day off. Mm-hmm. And you know. That's just, in, and that's what at, sucks
1: that his career ended because of he, an injury. Yeah, you know. and
0: he and he was someone that had, you know had earned that right. Mm-hmm. You know, but you know, there's there's really not many people in on this you know in this lineup offensively that are at that level right now of production where you say, hey, you know what, this may be a tough matchup for you, but we got to have you out there. Mm-hmm. Like, there's just, you know, this it's just kind of another year where there's just a bunch of interchangeable parts, and in, you know. Sometimes they're good and you know. Sometimes they're not.
1: Yeah. So it's just it's yeah because you mentioned you go back to last year it was a theme too. Uh, was it? I think there were twenty seven and twenty five against starting left handed yeah, it, pitchers. It's, just, and, it's
0: been an issue for you know several years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which is kind of a little bit surprising. They still took two or three from you know the Angels when they started all lefties.
1: Right. And I think was it? And uh, let me bring it up here because uh, McCalvey actually mentioned that too. Let's see if I can. Uh, yeah, so here's some of the the numbers I know I brought them up uh, the other day. Uh Brewers are 5 and 4 this season in games started by opposing left-handers, but only one of those nine starting pitchers, the Angels' Reed Detmers, left the game with his team in a deficit.
0: I was going to say yeah, the, the I have to imagine the numbers aren't going to be great.
1: Yeah. So uh overall Milwaukee, this was a couple days ago, but ranks last in the majors with a 6.07 OPS against left-handed pitching uh they uh the brewers are also next to last with a 333 slugging percentage better only than at that time it was the the yankees so yeesh not good not good all right so the brewers they get corbin burns on the mound tonight for the giants brandon so corbin's three and one he's looking for his fourth win of the season but is it fair to say that still Corbin Burns really hasn't maybe pitched at a Corbin Burns level and is it the big one that kind of stands out as the strikeout number so far for Corbin?
0: Yeah, I think there's still room for, you know, to improve and it does seem like the last few starts he's kind of started to find that feel of that cutter a little bit more. But yeah, I think you know, you, you can make the case that you know, his best pitching is ahead of him this year. Mm-hmm. Which, you know, there were some, you know, rough waters earlier on, but it does seem like, you know, it feels a little bit better here more recently. So that's reason for optimism and you know, look if you're looking to you know end a losing streak. You know he's the guy you want out there right now. Mm-hmm.
1: You know because what four games in a row they've lost yeah. now. Yep. Go back to that last one against the Angels. So all right, so they got him, and then it's uh, Colin Ray, and then it sounds like maybe Adrian Hauser making his debut on Sunday. Yeah. So I know they've been kind of preparing him to be a bullpen guy, but with injuries here, you kind of have to throw him out there as a I'll say spot yeah the starter, opportunity you? you
0: know the opp- opportunity says hey you gotta you you need him.
1: I know they had a, a really good month of April but looking at this May schedule I mean this is what kind of makes it disappointing that you, you get swept by Colorado cuz now you got the Giants okay but then you return home against the Dodgers I know the Dodgers have been a little down but, but they're still they're playing better yeah uh and then you got St. Louis who's down but still I always get nervous playing the Cardinals I don't care you know right. record wise then you follow that up with Tampa Bay who's the best team in baseball right now then you return home against Houston uh then you got San Francisco, but then you got to go on the road against Toronto right? mm-hmm. in the yeah. month of. I mean, this to be a tough month of May here. Yep, I think you're going to see what they got. How come nobody can emulate what the Rays do? By the way, I know Matt Arnold's got some Rays pedigree yeah. to him, but this is unbelievable how the start of the season they're having. The run differentials, just the, it's,
0: the, br- the br- you know, just the brain trust that they have is you know they don't they don't get brain drain when you know because normally when you're good for a while. Teams pick at you know teams will pick at your front office or they'll pick at your coaching staff and Mm -hmm. you try to get that success there but they just it's just continual.
1: They got an interesting month of May here too. uh, I've got it up here really quickly here. Uh, So they begin a series now after sweeping the Pirates. First place Pirates got to get you guys say yeah yep for sure. Uh, The struggling Yankees, but still the Yankees. Then they got Baltimore right after that. Baltimore's another solid season so far. Uh, And then you got the Yankees again, and then they've got the Mets. And then they've got the Brewers, and then they've got the Blue Jays, and then they got the Dodgers. Woo! So that's the Rays' upcoming schedule here. Month of May might tell us really about what the Rays are made of here. Uh, that's If you're a baseball fan, you've got to be excited about that schedule. So That's going to do it for us on this episode of the Man Cave Podcast, again brought to you by our awesome friends from High V and Toys and Ford. Don't forget, if you're not following or subscribing to the pod, make sure you do so for free. That way you never miss another episode. Don't forget to tell your family and your friends about the Man Cave Podcast. You can leave us uh, a voice message for some Q&A or your comments or your own analysis to be featured on an upcoming episode of the Man Cave Podcast. You can get that link in the uh, podcast description on your favorite podcasting platforms. I'm Dan Casper. Thanks again for tuning in to this episode, and we will talk to you next time on a future episode of the Man Cave Podcast.